Howdy, howdy. I'm David Butler. I'm Stefan Tager. Welcome to the Revival Podcast. Y'all, every week we are taking something that comes actually from General Conference and finding like, man, what are the punchy principles in there, the promises? What question does this answer? Sort of uh, find something in there that's going to revive my faith, that's going to bring me life and spark, you know, into, into living a life of faith. Living faith ain't dumb. That's the tagline for the podcast, right? It can be refreshing. It can be exhilarating. It can be reviving. Absolutely. Today we're talking about President Irene's talk, Finding Personal Peace. Uh, my second son is Joseph Henry Tager, partially, wow. partially after President Irene. Oh, I, I love. Oh, Henry. I thought he was. <laughs> when you said that, I was thinking of that guy, John Henry. Is that the guy who like, <laughs> who like what, lays the railroad or something? And like something. The, okay, something. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. That's what I thought. But named after yeah. oh. President Arians, just an example to me. Just brilliant, brilliant man. And I and I someday hope to even be like as close as smart as him. But most, more importantly, he's just so humble, so faithful. He just balances those two things so well. Just someone I really look up to, President Irene. I know. And you almost feel a little bit of shame. Like I do at least. Like anytime I come, like hear him speak, where I just think, oh, I got to live better. Just be a better and human. it's actually interesting. Like I feel like instead of talking, he could have just stood up there and they could have just written finding personal peace. <laughs> like he could have just stood there <laughs> and you would have just been like, oh, yeah. You found it, you know, right, like, and he right. actually inspires you to want to find it, to live, you know, in a different way. I just, I feel like we have a world, there's a reason that every Miss America contestant wants to say world peace, you know, like <laughs> I want world peace. Like you just like, there's something in us that like longs for that, where I just like, I want to have, like, I don't want conflict. Some people thrive off conflict, I guess, but you know. At the end of the day, really, you know, it's just like, I just want there to be like, like, a oh, I just want to be settled. I want to be, I want to have, I, there's a reason Airbnb puts up like, you know, like serene, sweet, peaceful locations up. That's, I think there's something in the human soul that longs for peace. Peace. Yeah. And, and in fact, the, the night before Jesus was crucified, and this is where President Irene starts off. Jesus promised, and President Irene quotes this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. But right away, Wait, why are you I just have to have a I have to have a distraction, a commercial for one second about this because our family word is peace, just so you know. Okay. It just came about. And like we don't even say hello or goodbye anymore. We just say peace. Like that's true. And my oldest son, we call him peace. Like that's his name in my phone. Peace. Like it wow. just is like a <laughs> <laughs> so any of my kids who hear this episode are going to be like, we loved this talk at conference because like he said, peace so often that we were like, oh my gosh, we are. But I was going to say about that line. Uh, okay. This is such a distraction, but it's so good. You know that game you play at conference where you put out a bowl and like you put a word <laughs> next to it or whatever. Like, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. <laughs> 
if they say a word, then you're just like, well, my oldest son put the word pizza up one time. And I was like, you are not going to get that. You're not even going to get any candy. You got to put a word up like faith or, you know, temples. Some, temples or something like that. Yeah. And he put that word up there and some sweet general authority from South America quoted this verse that you're quoting peace i leave unto you and he just you know he, the way he said he's like peace i leave with you you know and jack was like he said it that's pizza and he won the whole bowl so Man. anyways i'm already won over to this verse before you even get into the thank you for ruining that good. verse for me for the rest of my life Dave. <laughs> i appreciate that uh the word peace is what is a it's kind of a I don't know how to. It's one of those words it's like a love, hippie word. Yeah, hope. It goes good on a poster, right? And then, and then you never really think deeply about it. Right. What does it actually mean to have peace? For example, could I be on pick a beach? Give me a beach. Oh, Waimea Bay. So there I am, Oahu, white sand, seagulls, ocean, Not salt. Not so white. It's a little bit tanner. <laughs> up there, but that's fine. <laughs> and can you can you be in an environment? that is stereotypical peaceful and not be peaceful? 100%. Of course, 100%. Yeah. So yeah. it's not that. A lot of times people think, oh, I'll throw on the soft music and I'll sit in my easy chair and then I'll have peace in my life. Yeah, that, that won't work. It won't work in the long run, right? Do you know what's interesting is um, uh, Jenny was a student at BYU Jerusalem and one of the Sabbath days she was over at the Garden Tomb, which is actually a really sweet, peaceful spot. Sure. Like it's like set up as a garden to be nice, to be serene, to be meditative. And they shut it down because a riot happened out on the street right mm -hmm. outside of it. And so they shut all the gates and closed it. And she was like, I could hear the rioting happening like all outside the walls because they have these big like um, stone walls and stuff like that. And there were the noises of riot, you know, guns and everything going on outside and she said but i sat in there and had so she used that word i had so much peace just sitting in there and it's interesting that the both of those can be true you could be on waimea bay and not have peace or you could be in the middle of you know a riot and can find it absolutely yeah yeah sometimes i i've fallen for the trap that if i just learned the right communication skills or read the right book on listening or peacemaking, then I'll I'll have peace in my life. Mm. One time my wife and I were having a disagreement and I had just read a book where one of the habits that are highly effective in the book <laughs> is, and I love that book. It's so wonderful. It's to, you know, seek first to understand. And so I just kept restating back what Kirsten was saying over and over and over. So what you're trying to say is, what you're trying to say is, and she just said, oh, do you, do you mind not doing that for a second? <laughs> and so... Uh, peace is is something different than some kind of outward situation. It's something different than maybe some skill that I learn. So then, what is peace? What Watcher President Iron says he's he actually is going to set us up to figure out what it is. He says what he or the Savior means by peace and how he can give it are revealed by the circumstances of those who heard him speak those words. Hmm. Listen to the account in John of the uh, of the culmination of Christ's ministry. Fierce forces of evil were bearing down on him and would soon come upon his disciples. Hmm. And then he starts to quote John 14. What do you want to say about that, that Dave? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say I, I feel like a sermon on peace and a sermon on love uh, belong like on the Mount of Beatitudes, right? Do the 
the lilies of the field and do the sparrows, you know, and then do peace, like a sermon on peace, right? Instead, it is so intriguing to me that this sermon on peace comes in a in a spot from Jesus, who is hours away from the most excruciating hours of his life. Right. You know, and he knows that. Um, the disciples are also, and he gives this sermon, this discourse on peace. And um, I think as they look back on that, they'll have greater trust in it because they'll remember the night he gave it. And they'll remember, wait a second, he was so heavy with circumstance and yet not only found peace, but preached peace, like gave us the principles of of peace in it. And I think as they face their own, like someone might say, like he says in there, right? I, I, um, I, my peace is not the world kind of peace. I'm talking, it's not the same kind that the world gives. It's not circumstantial. It's a different kind. So the way that you uh, receive it and experience it are going to be different than probably what you initially think. Because the disciples would say like, take us back up to the Galilee put us back on the fishing boat and I, and we'll find peace. And Jesus is like, no, we're actually going to find it in crowded and contentious Jerusalem is where we're going to find it. Wow. Wow. That's good. Right? So President Irene takes that sermon and he pulls out five principles that he's just like, I've learned at least five truths from that teaching of the Savior. Can I on say one, one more thing about the way he describes peace? Is yeah. Okay? Oh, of okay. course. He says... Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And you just explained that masterfully. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so it it seems like peace is more of a state of heart than necessarily a passing emotion. Mm. And in fact, I think it can destroy our peace to think that peace is only just pleasant emotions because then we'll be chasing feelings. And a fantastic way to be miserable is just to always chase feelings. I have to feel better. I have to feel better. I have to feel better. Mm. Feelings are like the weather. They come and they go. We're mindful of them. We accept them. They come and go. But what Jesus is saying is, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Rather than being a feeling, peace is more of a perspective. And so how do we get that? How do we get the right view, the right disposition in life? And feelings, can, we, we can be stressed on some level. Maybe a better word is we can be full of commotion and still have peace. Hmm. And so, and then thankfully, President Irene's going to give us five want, key ways to yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want you to just say, go one more line or something on that idea that um, faith is a, pers- wait, say that again. Peace is a, a perspective, a not perspective, an emotion. Yeah. Not, just uh, pre- pretend I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, philosophers, the, the term they would use is way of being. Hmm. And sometimes in pop culture, especially pop psychology, we'll say things like, oh, humans are your, they're your thoughts. There is a high correlation with poor mental health and identifying yourself as your thoughts and your feelings. Mm. In fact, uh, uh, to be healthy psychologically, they call it psychological distance. It's you can see your thoughts and your feelings as thoughts and feelings. Mm. So they kind of come and they go, and there's a number, a number of, combinations of things that lead to the different kinds of thoughts and feelings. What's more primary than our thoughts and feelings? It's the kind of person I am. Okay. The, the kind of being I am. 
And so when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Yeah, of course, emotion is connected to that. But what's deeper than emotion is, do I have the disposition that I live in the world in such that I'm secure in Christ enough that I know that in the end, all things will work out. And then that sort of influences the way I choose to be in the world. So it's almost like instead of, uh, it's interesting that someone, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Meaning like, I need you to secure yourself to something more solid than emotion. Right. Right. That there is actually something that uh, maybe a perspective, what you would say, or what you said earlier is like, and that last line you just said about something about being in so in Christ is like, that, that was so powerful. Do you uh, remember what you said? Because it was so good. So I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind it, y'all. But, but let, me give an, let me give an illustration. Is yeah. that, would that maybe help, be helpful? Yeah, okay. yeah. So let's say that uh, there are lots of just crazy things going on at work, and it's very overwhelming. You can feel the feelings of, I've got to figure this out, and there's some stress and some anxiety and some worry, but I can choose to live and make decisions and be in the world in such that it demonstrates my faith in Christ. Yeah. So I'm not my thoughts and my feelings. Those those are a part of me, but that's not my ultimate sense of identity. It's more the way I choose to be. Um, maybe you know where this scripture is, and you can say it. But it's it, Paul says something where it's just like I'm I'm overwhelmed but not crushed. Mm-hmm. I'm this but I'm not that. Do you do you know where that? I don't. I'm I'm trying to think of what Um, you're trying to say. Let me look it up. Okay. I found it. I found it. Thanks, Abby, for taking that break out. If Stephen knew the scriptures better, we wouldn't have had to (laughs) look this up. Okay. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Paul says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. And he seems to have discovered whatever this kind of peace is that not this non-emotion peace, you know, yeah. but that perspective peace or, 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 or maybe it's a perspective that brings peace. Right. Is it, would that be right to say yeah. it like that? Like, yeah. And, uh, and we're not downplaying our emotions. Our emotions are important and we're going to have peaceful emotions, especially if we have a peaceful way of living in the world, a disposition. Yeah. But I feel like, because it is an emotion too, to just say like, I mean, I think I, I, like I've been Paul before where it's like, I'm troubled on every side, but I'm okay. Right. You know, like I, I want the troubles gone. I'm going to work to solve them. I would like to work to prevent them. But what I'm trying to say is like, but I'm okay. Like I'm not, I can't wait for them to be gone, you know, or whatever, but I'm I'm not whatever his word is. I'm not distressed. Like I'm not, and that distress, like this seems to be like, I mean, words are what you, you know. Right. And and the reason probably why is because you have some distance from that feeling. You can still feel it and experience it and notice it, but you also have some space from it. And that's, that's the life of a disciple. It's not a emotionless, I never feel anything, but rather I have some distance from my feelings. I'm fully aware of them and accepting of them, but they don't, they don't define my choices or who I'm going to be. Yeah. And some of them I think are like, I'm thinking of like a funeral where, you know, a lot of times we want to say to somebody, we want to, you know, take away the sadness of it. We want to take away the tragedy of it. But I feel like a disciple of Christ, uh, someone who lives in faith can say like, no, I'm actually 
quite heartbroken over this, but I'm okay. You know, and, and that's instead of like, oh, kind of dismiss even the sad ones. You I know, think that's the like, perfect example. Of you know, this. I yeah. say, oh, I yeah. can have, I can, I actually have peace about this. I am, my pillow's wet with tears and I still have peace, you know. So how do we get it? So what do we do to create a disposition where we can, we can experience fully the storms of life, but we have some space from them, some distance from them, so we can actually have authentic peace? And like you said, President Iron gives us five, five key things. You want to give us the first one, Dave? Or? Yeah. He says, first, the gift of peace is, P.S., I just actually love that it's a gift, but is given after we have the faith to keep his commandments. So you said this something about this last week that command. I think it was last week, commandments are not arbitrary or, or whatever, but rather they are a pattern of behavior that bring life, or in this case, a synonym to that would bring peace, confidence, whatever the gifts of the of his presence are, the gifts of his way of life, you know? Absolutely, and, and, yeah. and that seems to be number one. Like, live out, I'm showing you a pattern of behavior that brings that kind of piece that we're talking about. Yeah. If you sit around all day and try to tinker with your emotions, like it's a radio dial, do people even have radios anymore? Nope. But like, like it's a VHS it's tape, like it's an eight track. <laughs> if you try to do that, it's not going to work. Uh, you got to get up and you got to live the gospel, right? So one of the f- first things we can do is start moving in the right Christ-like direction. Uh, it, we don't change our feelings and then change our behavior. We change our behavior and the feelings follow afterwards. Legit. Okay. So second one, the Holy Ghost will come and abide with us. That's the second promise that President Iron gives us. And so I, I love this because it's about um, it's about a being, a member of the Godhead who comes and abides with us. And what that seems to emphasize is relationship with God over environment or circumstance. God is with us. His Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And so no matter what circumstance I'm in, if I have a relationship with him, yeah then I can have peace. That's interesting. It seems like peace is a lot more about who you're with. And there's a promise, like, I, I will be with you, right? Don't you feel like 100%. in a time of distress, I keep using Paul's words, but I'm just like, I'm okay if Jenny's there. You know, like right. uh, like someone being there actually like has an effect on the condition of my heart. I was 12 years old, first time I was passing the sacrament. My dad's, uh, I think at this point, he's in the stake presidency. I was super nervous in my little ward in Massachusetts. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll pass with you. And so there we are, these, all these deacons, collars up, you know, glasses, hair all messed up. And then my dad just behind me, and I remember him saying, okay, now step forward. And just him there was enough to calm me down and, and give me peace. You're right. It's absolutely about who you're with, not the circumstances. That promise in the sacrament prayer is a promise of peace then, right? It's like the Holy Ghost will dwell with you. Okay, the third thing he says is the Savior promises as we keep our covenants. This is so, this is so I was going to say cute, but I mean cute in an elevated way. We can feel the love of the Father and the Son for each other and for us. I, there's something about like seeing that relationship between the two of them, particularly how they trust each other. And and feeling that love that they have for each other and that love that we're invited into also. I, I would say that principle simply stated, ex- experience God's love, and that actually brings peace. You know, it's like to not say because this is happening equals God doesn't love me. 
right? Cause that could be really easy to do instead in the midst of that experience, his love and let them be true at the same time. This is happening in my life. God still loves me at the same time. Absolutely. A covenants are training in love. What we promise at baptism is to mourn with those that mourn, comfort those who stand in need of comfort. And so if we want peace, we have to extend it to others. I, th- I think I said this last week, we experience the feelings that come from us, not the, ex- the feelings that come to us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number four, it says, keeping the Lord's commandments requires more than obedience. We are to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. I just love that. I just think that's so so insightful. What do you want to say about that, Dave? We're more than just obedience. We're to love God. Uh, I just think it's super easy to fall into uh to become a checklist Christian. That's just like frighteningly easy to do, to just like, oh, uh, um, what makes a Christian is they do this, 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 and this, or like our motivations actually matter. And it's something that we, I think, have control over or at least a strong influence on our motivations. Like we can be yeah. aware of what my motivation is. We can be aware of why I'm doing the thing I'm I'm doing. Um, and I think he's just saying like, hey, you you can actually take the reins on that one. And there's something about like just obeying for fill in the blank. Why are you obeying? And there's something different than why are you obeying? I, I feel like I could have two different people and on their fridge is like a little sticky note of things that they want to do. And they could be exactly the same. Pray, to pay my tithing, go to church, read my scriptures. But they could be having wildly different experiences, their heart could be experiencing something wildly different depending on why are you doing it? Like, how did you approach this? And he's, and I think President Irene's teaching us, like, man, approach this motivated by love. Start by asking, like, start in that place of love and that, and then everything, everything changes. Yeah, I want to say two things about that. One, help me with this quote. It's from Prodigal God, Tim Keller. And uh, and. What you just said reminds me of that, so this will be a paraphrase. But he basically says, religious people repent for sinning. Christians repent for the bad motives they had for doing righteous things. Mm. So if you're, if you're worried, like, man, I wish I could get my motives better, first thing to do is to just have a real talk with God. This is actual repentance. And say, God, Father in heaven, I'm sorry that I paid tithing my whole life because that was just what our culture did. Let me do it for love from here on out. Mm. And so, so that that ties into my second thing is, is the commandments that you feel a little little less connected with, get real clear on how it helps you to love God and love others, and that'll invite peace. Yeah. How does going to church? How does reading scripture? How does saying prayer? How does fasting? How does that put me in a life of love, and that will start towards God and towards others, and that is the kind of thing that will result in the fruit of peace. Yeah, because those things can either exhaust you or they can exhilarate you right. actually depending on how they're being done like they are gifts of peace to us and we can either add them to a, a to the burden or they could be the relief depending Amen. on how you approach them right okay number 5 is it me yeah it is clear I that the remember, lord but yeah okay F- fifth it is clear that the lord loved us enough to pay the price for our sins so that we can through our faith in him and our repentance through the effects of his atonement have the gift of peace that passeth all understanding in this life and with him eternally. So at the heart of our peace is what the Savior has done for us. Why? Because so much of our, our unrest and our contention is, is, is trying to prove our importance or worth or sense of identity 
from the stuff that we do in this world, from our works. I have an important job. I have an important uh, family life. I, I, I have, I'm really talented. I'm athletic. I'm a musician. And that, that destroys our peace because we're always comparing. We're always wondering how do we uh, fit with other people. Yeah. But when we yeah. get our sense of worth from what he's done for us, something is worth what someone is willing to pay for it, then we're not on trial anymore. We are deeply secure in the atoning act that happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And there's nothing that anyone can say or do to me that puts my worth on trial. Yeah, and my feelings about God are also never in question. And his feelings for me are never in question, right? I just Because that could complicate our peace so much. But if I just am confident and secure in knowing, man, he's done this for me, uh, like I, I don't know. Christmas morning is like so peaceful because you're just like I've been showered in love and and gifts, and it's just like what if I could live in that consistently? You know, there, there's something um, about that. There's something in Israel. People say shalom, you know, when they greet each other and they and they say hello and goodbye, and it's a word that means hello, goodbye, and it means peace, but it's a thicker kind of peace. It's not just that emotional, but it's a wholeness. And I feel like I experience that wholeness most um, when I experience that redeeming love of Jesus. Yeah, our job is not to earn God's love or it's simply it's simply just to wake up to the love that's all around us as manifested primarily through Gethsemane and Golgotha. Yeah, and whatever happens tomorrow, if I face it with that, I think I can say like Paul does, like, oh, I'm... Everything around me is complicated, but I'm but I'm okay. I'm okay. That's revival. That's revival. <laughs> All right. See you next week. 